Hey folks, you're about to hear an exclusive bonus episode of the Whitfield Report exclusively for podcast listeners and for listeners on Anchor.fm. Enjoy. Welcome to the Whitfield Report bonus edition, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is a bonus episode of the Whitfield Report. So this isn't officially a uh, full show. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, then you will see from the uh, tags that this is a bonus show. Uh, I think they allow that on... Google Play too, I'm not sure. I know that some of the podcast apps have uh, bonus episodes and seasonal episodes, uh, just depending on the, the uh, developer and how you label them. And uh, alright, let's shut the music off. There we go. So folks, this is a bonus episode, and I want to talk specifically about uh, David Hogg, and the reason why I'm not uh, doing a full official episode on this, the reason why I'm making this a bonus episode as opposed to a full episode is because um, I want to talk about David Hogg specifically, but I don't really feel like he's worth a whole hour of, of my time. But at the, but at the same time, uh, I do want to address some things. I want to address both sides, the left and the right, and, uh, just kind of give my opinion on this kid. And, uh, I guess I should start off by saying my, my opinion of David Hogg, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, David Hogg is one of the, uh, survivors, quote unquote, of, the Parkland uh, school shooting. And I say quote-unquote because uh, at the time I'm recording this, there's uh, there's been some uh, discrepancies with descriptions as to whether or not he was actually um, in the building when the shooting happened. Um, he was definitely on campus, but there's, uh, some, there's been some debate as to whether he's been on, uh, as to whether he was actually in the building or not. Um, and there have been a whole bunch of conspiracy theories 
surrounding that, which I won't get into that part, okay? Uh, I, I want to make something clear here up front. This is not a conspiracy theory episode of the podcast. Uh, for those of you who listen to me regularly, you know that I don't really do conspiracy theories as a whole anyway. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll entertain theories that I guess some might consider conspiracy-esque, but I've, in the close to 10 years I've been podcasting, I've never, like, gone full conspiracy theory that I can remember. So I want to preface this whole episode by just saying uh, there are no really big uh, David Hogg conspiracy theories here. With that being said, at the same time, uh, so David Hogg as I mentioned, uh, is a Parkland uh, school shooting survivor. Uh, Again, there's the discrepancies with the uh, building. But here's the reason why I'm bringing him up, and this is the reason why he's become such a big uh, topic as of white. David Hogg has now become a public figure as a result of the Parkland school shooting. And he's become a public figure in uh, a way that, as I said before, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. I'm not necessarily saying... I'm not necessarily making a full-blown conspiracy theory here. But at the time, but at the same time, I will say that the way in which uh, David Hogg has become a public figure is a little unnerving to me, to say the least. Okay, and here's the reason why: the Parkland school shooting happens, and. Within almost a, a, within literally a week, uh, David Hogg, um, Emma Rodriguez, I think is her name, and one other student whose name I, I can't even re- remember right now. They all um, they all marched out uh, for a CNN town hall. Uh, David Hogg and these other students uh, start prote- start speaking out against the NRA, and they say that you know the the NRA killed these kids, uh, which is not true at all. Um, but then these kids, as I said before, within a week of the school shooting, they become public figures. Not only that. Do they become public figures? But they also get verified Twitter accounts uh, within this time frame too. And these aren't 
Twitter accounts that they've all had for a while. These look to be brand new Twitter accounts. Now, why is this whole, why is this significant? Well, because as I've uh, discussed before on the podcast over the years, whether it be on the Whitfield Report or my old podcast, Whitfield Analysis, Twitter has become an integral part of uh, social media and commentary, like or not. And the platform used to be uh, politically neutral. Now it's shifted pretty far to the left. Uh, so has Medium and, uh, you know, pretty much all the big social networking sites. And by the way, uh, that social media and pretty much how it's become a big lefty thing is going to be the topic of uh, tomorrow's official podcast. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that. Or uh, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on uh, Saturday, then I'm going to be talking about uh, Facebook and uh, the whole social media thing and social media censorship. I'm going to be talking about that tonight, but I, I'm recording this on Friday. So if you're hearing this on Friday, that'll be tomorrow night's show. If you're listening to this uh, on Saturday, it'll be tonight's show. Uh, anyway, I know I'm rambling and kind of jumping around here, but that's how these bonus shows go. So anyway, as I mentioned before, Twitter's become a big platform for journalists and political commentators and and just to give you a little bit more background as anyone who's logged on to Twitter pretty much knows to become a verified Twitter user is extremely extremely difficult I believe most users have to have over 100,000 followers on Twitter and they have to have been able to, uh, you know, they have to have been on the platform for a pretty significant amount of time, I believe. That's that's usually how uh, Twitter ver- verification works, unless they're like movie stars or celebrities or or well-known celebrities, or they they have like an agent to establish that they're what that that they're a well-known public figure. Okay, and yet these kids who were virtually unknown the week before the shooting happened, they get verified Twitter accounts instantly. And they become public figures almost instantaneously. And then they go out and blame the NRA for the shooting. David Hogg has said that we will outlive the NRA. 
Uh, he's kind of made it his mission to uh, take the NRA down, it seems like, or so he says. I'll get, and I'll explain what I mean by or so he says in a sec. Um, he's also weirdly picked a fight with Alex Jones, uh, which for those of you who uh, know me, and for those of you who have been following the podcast really since, who have been following my podcasting uh, career since about 2009 or 2010, you know that I'm no by no means like a huge Alex Jones fan. Um, I wouldn't really call myself a, a fan. I, I used to think that he was absolutely crazy. I think in more recent years, like during 2016, he's become more reasonable, and I, I don't think InfoWars is as bad as I used to be. But, you know, like it or not, Alex Jones is still a very... Um, controversial figure to say the least and he's someone who uh you know is known as somewhat of a provocateur and so he's very easy to pick a fight with and uh David's pretty much uh done David Hogg has pr- pretty much uh you know done that so he's picked so he's picked a fight with uh the NRA and he's picked a fight with uh, Alex Jones. Okay. Now the NRA has absolutely nothing to do with the school shooting. Uh, this kid was not an NRA member. The the kid who shot up the school. Um, he wasn't an NRA member. Uh, he did have a Trump hat on, and initially it was thought that he was a right-wing, uh, you know, that he was like an extreme right-winger, um, and then there were people who thought that he was an extreme left-winger. Well, we know that neither of those are true now, that he was actually, I that he was actually, uh, you know, sampling different ideologies. He was, uh, you know, greatly mentally disturbed, and that he was just kind of shopping around uh, for ideologies. And really, in my mind, he took the very worst of uh, extreme right-wingism and extreme leftism. Um, and that's the shooter. I'm talking, and I I don't want to spend too much time on him. But he, the shooter took the, uh, the worst of the two extremes of these ideologies. The NRA, for all intents and purposes, had nothing to do with the shooting. And yet, Dave Hogg and these other students are you know, claiming that the NRA is killing kids and that they don't care about kids and that, you know, candidates who take NRA members are, are uh, you know, greedy and selfish and they only care about, um, you know, their political contributions, which, you know, 
okay, you can make that case for just about any political cause. Uh, you know, can sort of say that uh, towards political candidates who take money from Planned Parenthood objectively, it's the same argument. But David has um, taken a firm stance against the NRA and against Alex Jones. Okay? Now, here's the crux of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, because I've gone pretty hard after uh, David Hogg on Twitter this week. But I, I do want to make something clear. I have nothing... I have nothing against David Hogg personally. Okay? I'm sure that outside of politics and outside of activism, I'm sure he's a nice kid. He's only a few years younger than I am. And obviously... The entire school has gone through a very traumatic ordeal. And I know that there are some, you know, people out there online, I'm not going to name names. Uh, I don't even know them personally, but I, I have seen people, you know, that, that do, uh, you know, that do hate David Hogg. And who have you know criticized him on a personal level, and uh, I you know I think that's wrong. Um, but that that's not me. I have uh, used, I have kind of come up with a hashtag, um, you know, on Twitter to, and Gab to describe him, which is hogwash. But I'll explain that in a sec too. Because my issue really isn't with David Hogg here, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's moreover to do with uh, the anti-gun lobby, the and the unnamed uh, anti-gun groups that are getting behind these kids. Because that's essentially what happened what's happening here, folks. They're essentially being used as political props and political tools. That's the reason why they got Twitter verification so fast. In my mind. Uh, Google is also... I. I I pointed this out on uh, both Gab and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, they're now calling uh, Wikipedia... The First of all, David Hogg has his own uh, Wikipedia page, which, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I could create a Wikipedia page, and, you know, who knows? Maybe one of these days I will on myself. But David Hogg already has a Wikipedia page, and on that page, they've all, you know, they're calling him an, they're calling him a, an American uh, journalist. Okay, 
kid is 17, 18 years old, and he's already a full-blown, bona fide journalist, according to the, uh, according to all the big tech companies, and to Wikipedia, and to even many members of the media establishment. Well, some of you might be saying, well, Sam, what's the big problem with that? You're, you're a journalist, and uh, you, know, you claim to be a, a journalist when you were a teenager. So what's wrong with that? And folks, I guess there's nothing wrong with him uh, being a, a journalist or an aspiring journalist, but he's not an official bona fide bonafide uh, journalist, let's be honest. If he really is into journalism, he's a uh, he's an amateur journalist. He's a high school journalist, but he's not a bona fide journalist yet, folks. Heck, I'm not even I'm not even a a bona fide journalist. I'm I'm an independent journalist. I'm an independent amateur journalist. I've been an independent uh, I've been an independent amateur journalist for a long time since I was 13 years old. But nevertheless, I'm still an amateur journalist and I'm I'm okay with that. And yes, I I guess in a way I, I am a public figure too. That's another thing I can hear my critics saying. Which uh, I might as well segue into that, folks, because here's the crux of the matter. I don't mind... I do mind that David Hogg is being used to promote anti-gun propaganda. Because long story short, folks, that's what's happening here. And this is my conspiracy theory, so to speak. It's not really like a far-fetched conspiracy theory, but here's what I think is happening. The right, I mean, the, the far left saw the success that Trump had with uh, babes for Trump and students for Trump and millennials for Trump. And whatever. Whatever other groups that there were for Trump with young people in them, the left did see us. They finally saw us, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, one of the whole critiques of the conservative movement for years and years and years that I always heard when I was a teenager is, oh, there really aren't any truly independent, you know, uh, 
you know, teenage conservatives out there, uh, or the the uh, the conservative movement is the only movement that ha that has you know teenage activists in it. Um, you know, and a few years ago, I would have actually agreed with them, and um, you know, said that that was true, and. Um, this is going to lead to another point I'm going to make here. Bear with me. This will all tie together in the end. But that was a critique of the right for the longest time, is that, you know, we were the only ones with teenage activists. And, yeah, that was actually true for a while. Um, and... People didn't really take us. People didn't really take teenage slash college conservatives seriously up until the 2016 election, when not only did conservatives win um, the election, but in the process we 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 kind of uh, won a major battle in in the in the culture war, okay, the, which. The culture war is kind of ongoing. And so we won a big battle in 2016. Okay? The left would have had you believe through art and culture and everything else that they had a monopoly on young people. And yet 2016 proved them wrong. Young conservatives and young liberty-minded individuals such as myself really came out of our uh, subcultures and really hit the mainstream. And we showed them that we're out there and there's no denying that. So what I believe is happening now is they're panicked and in their haste they're now trying to create young liberals, young liberal activists which is what David Hogg and all of these other Parkland uh, high school students with verified Twitter accounts, that, that's, what, that's what they are now. And I don't really hold them responsible because... I think they're being used in a way. Uh, I think they are aware of what's going on, but at the same time, I, th I think they're being, you know, I think they're being emotionally manipulated and taken and taken advantage of. That's just how I th see things objectively. Now. Before you, um, 
before some of you on the left criticize me and say, oh, well, Sam, you know, that is just complete and total BS. You could say the exact same thing about the right, that, they, you know, that they've manipulated uh, young, cons- you know, that they've manipulated young kids into becoming conservative activists, too. And, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about yourself. And I'm going to address that here, folks, because, believe it or not, I actually have criticized conservatives in the past for propping up uh, conservative wonder kids, as, I, as I've called them. In fact, back in 2015, I actually wrote a pretty lengthy uh, column on my website, thesamwitfield.com um, on this very topic. It was called A Flaw in the Young Conservative Movement. It's still up there, and I believe it's still on medium.com, too, if, if you look me up on there. That is if media... That is if Medium hasn't, uh, you know, shadow banned me or blacklisted me in some other way. But that's that's for tomorrow's show, ladies and gentlemen. So that's for the official podcast. So uh, I'm not going to get sidetracked. But anyway, I wrote this uh, article, and I'll link it in the show notes for um, for this podcast again. But long story short, in that article, I cite how, indeed, teenage conservatives, some of them, not all of them, but some of them were propped up. Uh, Individuals like Jonathan Crone, who was the first case of a teenage conservative wonder kid, right? Uh, many people who are millennial conservatives and who are, who are kind of in my circle, a lot of you guys know this story. Some of you don't. And, uh, you know, most adults, but and by adult I mean like over 35, don't know this story at all. But uh, long story short, Jonathan Crone, when he was 13, he self-published... A book on Amazon. I think it was called Defining Conservatism. And uh, the book got noticed by, I think it was Bill Bennett or one of those um, big time conservative radio talk show hosts. Anyway, he got noticed um, and. Um, then he got invited to CPAC. And there was this big, huge thing about him, you know, being the savior of the conservative movement, right? The conservative movement had been saved for future generations by Jonathan Crone. Right? That was when he was 13. Well, after he made it to CPAC, he never really did anything. And uh, then when he was 17, 
he it was actually re revealed that somewhere along the line he actually changed his ideology and became more liberal. And that was a big oops moment for us. Now I had started uh, podcasting by this time because I was 13. I, I started it in 2008. Um, so that means that this year is my 10 year anniversary believe it or not, of podcasting, which, uh, oh God, you know, that makes me feel old in some ways, and, you know, yep, that actually makes me feel proud, too, like, yeah, I've actually stuck by something for, uh, you know, a super long time, but uh, anyway, so Jonathan Crone was the first uh, one to get put on the, get put on the spotlight and turn liberal, and uh, then there was Benji Backer, who, um, who I actually knew for a time. And uh, Benji Backer became uh, pretty famous as well. He also spoke at CPAC. Um, and then, you know, more recently, Benji became a part of the Never Trump movement, uh, blocked me after I defended Milo Yiannopoulos, he had a real hard on, uh, not, not literally, okay, folks, I, I shouldn't say that when referring to Milo for obvious reasons, but, uh, you know, figuratively, Benji had a big grudge against Milo and, uh, you know, against Trump, um, he went total establishment and, uh, You know, I don't know that his political career is over, but he's kind of faded in, in the spotlight as well. Uh, then, of course, there was uh, Caden Cowger, my old colleague, who, uh, at, you know, uh, he kind of became an internet meme. Uh, you know, because he made the stupid Obama's making kids gay joke. Uh, you know, he wasn't one that uh, got propped up by adult conservatives, um, but, you know, he, he became recognizable nonetheless, and, um, yeah, uh, so then there was, so then there was C.J. Pearson, who's more recent, and he's, he's like a more recent example, and C.J. Pearson is a, is an African American young conservative. I I think he's still active somewhat, but uh, he's if he he got you know he got kind of pushed into the conservative spotlight um, by a lot of adult conservatives who were trying to promote him, um, and then it actually turned out that his uh, manager was uh, like a con man or an identity thief. And uh, there's been debate and speculation as to whether or not CJ knew about that or not. But uh, anyway, yeah, CJ's kind of another example of um, 
that too. So in my article that I mentioned, which again I'll have linked in the description for this podcast, I criticized the fact that this happens in the conservative movement. You know, that rather than uh, conservative conservative adults, you know, finding the the good, uh, independent uh, young conservatives like me, you know, who who have done their own media and their own, you know, think completely independently, that they search, you know, for young conservatives and prop them out. And so this article I, I wrote back in 2015 criticized conservatives for doing that. And, uh, you know, it got... It, got, it actually got a pretty significant, uh, you know, traffic on the web. And so I've criticized the right for propping up young people in politics. At the same time, I've, I've also, you know, praised young people for getting involved in politics on their own volition and doing their own thing completely independently, which is how I did the podcast, how, I've, how, I, how I started the podcast and how I've done the podcast all these years. And I'm not trying to brag here, folks. I, I'm really not. Um, but, you know, at various points, I did get approached by uh, quote-unquote agents when I was a teenager and, you know, even now. You know, I've I've been approached by, uh, by people claiming to you know represent big names in the conservative movement, and you know I, I've I've been offered uh, to have uh, you know to become a big figure, and. Uh, you know, that's always made me a little suspicious personally, and I think especially now that I've been doing this for close to a decade, it really makes me thankful that I've done this thing more or less on my own, you know, pretty much with the help of other teenage slash college conservatives. I mean, we've all, the people I run with, we've pretty much all promoted each other. Um, you know, Ryan Marhofer, my guest on the podcast uh, last week, uh, you know, he's, he's another one that's kind of up and coming and uh, independent. And uh, he's doing his own thing too. So my point going back to David Hogg is if he were independent and if he, and if he had like a, a consistent body of work and a consistent um, track record of you know engaging in let's just say liberal policies or anti anti NRA policies or something whatnot and whatnot on his own if if he were a, a legit you know, teenage liberal, let's say. If he were legit and it was his own thing, I would have no problem with that. I, You know, I would disagree with him, obviously. But 
you know, I would always, I would commend him more for doing his own thing, like a lot of us have, um, who are young political commentators slash activists. But the fact that he and his, but the fact that he and his, a lot of his other peers have gotten, you know, major help from Twitter, major help from the mainstream media and whatnot, and, you know, become celebrities and public figures overnight, that's what bothers me. Because I don't think they're doing it themselves. I think they're manipulated uh, into doing it subconsciously. And, uh, you know, if... If somehow David is uh, listening to this, by all means, David, come on to the Whitfield Report. And uh, I, I don't want to say I would debate you so much as much as I just want to have a discussion and really find out, you know, what you're all about. So I've extended, you know, you heard it here first. I'm extending my invitation and we'll have a conversation. Um, and... I'm open to having a dialogue if you're open to it. Um, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it is interesting because there's another uh, Parkland survival, uh, Kyle uh, Kushov, I think is how you pronounce his name, who's also a Parkland shooter. And... You know, he want, he doesn't want gun violence. You know, he's kind of campaigned against stopping gun violence in schools too, which is admirable. The difference is uh, Kyle is not um, pushing anti-NRA propaganda or anti-conservative propaganda. And so therefore his Twitter account hasn't been verified yet, even though he has 50... Uh, 50... Uh, thousand followers now the last time I checked and uh, he hasn't received any big major interviews on any of the mainstream media outlets yet as far as I know and um, you know so he's being discriminated against because you know he holds views which I don't even want to say are right wing quote unquote but but he's kind of gotten lumped in with the right wing crowd at this point. So anyway, that that's kind of my whole point. I don't hate David or any of these Parkland survivors. I'm praying for them and I wish them you know, healing and that this will make them stronger. But to the adults and to the media who are pushing them to do this, shame on you. You guys are disgusting. And really, that's all I have to say to to you guys. So, folks, I, uh, I guess this bonus episode... Um has gone over longer than I expected it 
to be. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's definitely Saturday now by the time you're hearing this. Uh, but nevertheless, think of this kind of as a pre-show, a warm-up uh, to the Whitfield analysis, I mean to the Whitfield Report uh, live stream slash podcast, uh, which as always folks, we will be live streaming on our Facebook page at 8 p.m. Eastern Time over on Facebook.com forward slash Whitfield Report. Audio podcast will be um, available as always. And uh, folks, I don't know if if we're going to have a uh, guest tomorrow evening. I, I... or for tonight's show, I, I still have yet to confirm on that. But uh, anyway, folks, I'll announce that you if know, that is the case. And either way, I'll see you uh, tomorrow. I'll see you tonight for the show. Uh, goodbye for now. God bless and God save this great nation. I'll see you later, folks. So long.